Okay, well, this morning um, I'm preaching a sermon and drinking a coffee at the same time. And I'm hoping this is going to catch on. I quite like this idea of uh, having a coffee. As you've probably seen, uh, our theme this morning and for this next series is espresso. I can tell you that's a pretty powerful punch of a drink. And if you've ever drunk espresso yourself, you know that this is a a stout and strong cup of coffee. And it's really caught on. When we went off to Australia about 10 years ago, there were no espresso shops in sight. We came back and suddenly there were Costas and Starbucks and all sorts of Nero coffee shops around. And now it's very easy to get an espresso or a cappuccino or latte or whatever you like. Um, I used to mispronounce it because I was brought up in the era of instant coffee. I used to call it espresso. But of course it's espresso. But that little uh, mispronunciation actually gave me the idea of uh, this series. We've just opened a coffee shop and we now serve this kind of coffee here. But I thought about how Christians need to express their Christian faith. Um, We need to express it in a way that is uh, honouring to God. And it seems to me that very often, as Christians, we sometimes don't understand how we need to express our Christian faith, certainly to non-Christians, and even, surprisingly, even to fellow Christians. How do we actually express the faith that we as Christians have? What is also equally understanding, I think I'll put this down, is... um, is actually the Bible is a book about expression, when you think of it. It's all about how God loved the world, that he sent his only begotten son. And even before Jesus, how God expressed his love to the children of Israel in the Old Testament. And this also is a book about how we should behave and act and express ourselves as Christians and as followers of Christ. Um, the problem with espresso, I mean, even now, you can see that even before I came in, the crema on the top started to disappear. It very, very quickly loses its flavour and actually becomes quite stale and quite, quite bitter. I'm sure sometime during this series I'm going to ask Jonathan's advice. I think he's the espresso expert in our congregation. But it very easily, for whatever reason, loses its uh, freshness. It becomes stale, it becomes bitter. And we as Christians need to be a fresh expression of, of God's love. Um, in fact, that's why I just made that espresso now and not before the meeting, not just because it's hot, but because by the time I took a drink, it will be very stale and very, very bitter. And unfortunately, there's too many of us as Christians who are decaf. You know, rather than be caffeinated, strong, punchy Christians for God, we actually become quite weak and unfortunately even sometimes quite bitter. The interesting thing as I look to the Bible as well is Jesus actually talked about these things. He actually talked about poor espresso. He didn't actually use that phrase, of course, but he talked about how we as Christians need to be caffeinated for God. And that we've just heard uh, just now from Yvonne some real caffeinated words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 7. Look at these words. Stop judging others and you will not be judged. For others will treat you as you treat them. Whatever measure you use in judging others, it will be used to measure how you are judged. 
And why worry about the speck in your friend's eye when you have a plank in your own? How can, can you think of saying, let me help you get rid of the speck in your eye when you can't see past the plank in your own eye? Hypocrites. First get rid of the plank from your own eye. Then perhaps you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. So in this first message in the series Espresso, I'm going to deal with a very difficult subject about judging others. I'm saying it's a difficult subject because I don't know about you, but I find it very easy to judge. Am I alone? I find it very easy to judge. I find it very easy to, to criticize. If, if someone has a different opinion, if someone has a different way of even doing things, I find it very easily uh, to, to, to judge. So it's not an easy thing. It's probably not a sermon we often hear about. Um, and maybe you, like me, at times have to hold yourself in check so that we don't become too judgmental. And on that point, we have to be very clear what Jesus is saying here. It isn't wrong, of course, to have a critique. It isn't wrong sometimes to judge. It isn't wrong to um, suddenly, you know, to, to, to have a view on things and to be able to express that. But what I think Jesus is saying here is that we shouldn't be consistently and constantly having a judgmental spirit over others. Jesus is talking about people, and particularly, of course, the scribes and the Pharisees. He was saying that these people are consumed with criticism. He isn't saying it's wrong to have an opinion or even to form a kind of a judgment which is within a helpful framework. As we read in Galatians chapter 6, these words of Paul, if someone, if a fellow Christian, is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. So there is a place for, for judging, for being a critique, uh, particularly when it leads to helpful outcomes and if it's done in the right spirit and with the right motives. And that, of course, says Paul, is how Christians should express themselves. But what I want to address this morning is what Jesus was talking about here on the Sermon on the Mount, this kind of judgmental attitude that the spirit that some followers of Jesus are consumed with from time to time. And in Matthew 7, Jesus is talking about people who had a bitter espresso written all over their lives. And he addresses this situation in a very, very dramatic, very visible way. Jesus says that we need to get rid of the plank from your own eye. The instruction that's at the heart of this message of Jesus is this, get rid of the plank from your own eye. Jesus is saying those who have an unhealthy, judgmental attitude of, of the others fail to see the issues. They've got this plank, this log in front of their own eyes. Of course, Jesus, um, perhaps being a carpenter, being the son of a carpenter, um, used this uh, illustration because, of course, he, would, he was used to using wooden planks and logs and so on. And, of course, Jesus um, is very good at using humor and some, sometimes uh, hyperbole as well. And here he says, I'm sure, with a bit of tongue-in-cheek, but nevertheless getting a message across, is, here are you with a plank in your eye and you can't see the sawdust. That's in the eyes of others. I went back and looked to the original uh, Aramaic word that Jesus used here. And the word he used is actually 
a word called dorkos, an Aramaic word, dorkos, which actually refers to a beam of wood. When you think of a plank, we tend to think of a thin plank of wood, maybe, that goes on the floor. But it's actually a beam of wood. And so I've brought a beam of wood so we, we, like Jesus, can actually see what we're talking about. And Jesus saying, those who judge others, it's just as if you've got a beam of wood in your eyes. You can't see beyond, beyond it. It sort of blinds you. And we'll come back to that point in a moment. And as I use a, a beam of wood, you can just see how humorous, how amazing, how, how quite sometimes ridiculous in some ways the illustration is. But Jesus lifts up this beam as an illustration and he says, stop judging. Stop judging. It's a, it's a verse that has a warning written all over it. Stop judging each other. And Jesus is saying in this teaching for these early Christian followers that the kind of life that Christian followers should have is really about true espresso, about expressing things that are real and good and, and rich. We need to stop judging others and you will not be judged. I also looked up that word judging, by the way, in the original Aramaic, and the Aramaic word is krino. That word judging, stop judging, means to condemn, to damn someone else. And I like this um, definition of this, the word judging. It also says it means it's judging someone or trying someone in the courtroom of your consciousness. Isn't that an interesting phrase? Trying someone in the courtroom of your consciousness. That's what it means here, to, 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 to judge. That's what Jesus is saying. Stop condemning people. Stop damning people. Stop judging people in the courtroom of your consciousness. Jesus is not talking about beliefs and truths and absolutes. He is not saying that we shouldn't give someone some constructive criticism which is dispensed with love and grace and gentleness. But Jesus is driving at the judging of others with a critical spirit which leaves people damaged, which leaves people damned. We need as Christians to know how to express ourselves in ways that will not condemn us and will not condemn others. Stop judging others and you will not be judged. It's a yo-yo, isn't it? It bounces back. Now, I just very briefly this morning want to say three things about judging. The first of all is this, that criticism is cold-blooded. Um, what Jesus was saying when he talked about a beam and really making it quite visible, he was really nailing it and really saying, you know, we need to be quite passionate about taking the beam out of our own eyes, about taking the plank out of our own eyes. We've got some young people in our meeting, maybe to help me to remember it. Jesus was saying we need to yank the plank. We need to get rid of the plank out of our own eyes. And he was really passionate on making that uh, point, point because actually, if we don't, judging others can be quite cold-blooded. I could find it very easy to criticise people who criticise me example. Anyone who criticises me, I find it very easy. I want to get my own back and criticise them. You're on a spiral downhill, aren't you? And sometimes I don't necessarily do it verbally. Sometimes I do it in the courtroom of my consciousness. 
but nevertheless I do it. I can easily criticise you and condemn you. If you don't think like me, you don't act like me, do something different to me, or if I want to project myself over you, I can, I can criticise you. I can become quite cold-blooded in that. I can easily criticise my peers. It's easy to put down those who we work alongside, to criticise people so that we can be seen in a better light than them. Another thing I've discovered about this espresso bitterness is that the very thing I'm criticising you with is sometimes the very thing that I'm struggling with myself. When you criticise someone else, just think, because you may discover what you are tearing apart in someone else's life is that which is a problem within your own life. Pretty amazing, isn't it, that criticism can be cold-blooded. Let's go back to a point I briefly mentioned earlier for my second point, which is we do need to stop judging others. In some translations it says stop judging. In other translations it's uh, Jesus saying do not judge. And I went back to the original Greek. And you know what the word stop means in the original Greek? It means stop. It means do not. There's no other word for it. Stop. Do not. You know, it's a bit like a child, you know, going out off, off the pavement into the road. What do you say to a child just about to run out into a busy road? You say, stop. Do not put another foot forward, don't you? You don't say to a child, well, let's just discuss this for a moment. Let's just think about the consequences of your actions. We say, stop. We often say to a child, which part of the word stop do you not understand? That's what Jesus is saying here. Stop. Do not. Just hold on a minute. Stop judging. And Greek is quite a different language to ours. I also found out in the Greek language, it's a word which is a present active imperative. Now we're getting very technical. Present active imperative. It's a word which is very active and very present, and it's imperative. It's quite emphatic. Stop. Do not. It's, you know, it's right there in your face. Jesus is saying, don't go there. Stop, and stop today. Don't do it. It's in the present. It's imperative. It's active. It's emphatic. There's no multiple choices here. It's your deal or mine to stop. Look at verses 4 and 5. How can you think of saying, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye, when you can't see the plank within your own eye? Then he uses the word hypocrite. Very loaded word. Very damning word, isn't it? Hypocrite. Remember the original Greek for the word plank or log is beam. A carpenter would use a beam as a cross beam within their homes as they were building them. Probably a lot bigger than this. I've made this just this large so that uh, I can actually carry it. But can you imagine a cross beam? It was an important piece of a building, a crossbeam which held up a home or whatever the building was. It would hold up the whole structure of that house. And Jesus gives this picture of a beam, a crossbeam, because he's saying that, that some of us, some Christians, are held up by this crossbeam of negativity. It can hold up the whole structure of life. And we can be consumed by criticism. And Jesus saying here, you know, we are saying, you know, help me to get rid of that speck in your eye, and we've got this cross beam which is actually holding up our own eye. 
You can see the humour, can't you? I can see the sawdust in your contact lens, but actually I've got a beam in my own, in my own eye. We need to make sure that we don't become that critical kind of spirit. You know, we could use the beam as a kind of a gun country. You know, I'm, I can see a bit of sawdust in your eye, and in your eye, you know, in Britain we enjoy going out shooting, don't we? And like, wow, a bit of sawdust up there, there's a bit of sawdust down here. You know, that's why we can, we can go about trying to find specks of sawdust in people's eyes when we've got this beam in our own eye. It's uncomfortable. It's what Jesus was saying visualizing the words that Jesus was using. Well, as I'm shooting the piece of sawdust in your eye, God is saying, Graham, you've got a beam. You've got a cross beam of negativity holding up your life. You're, you hypocrites. And of course, that word hypocrite, hypocrite, hypocritical, that's what Jesus is saying. When we're hypocritical, when we have this judgmental attitude, we assume the role of God. And we assume that role of judging, which is not our place to take. And so it's easy for us to do that. And Jesus is saying, stop. And it's so easy for us to be consumed by that. It's so easy for us as a, as a community, as a church, to be consumed by that. It's so easy for a church to become a community of criticism rather than a community of compassion. And one thing I love about our core here is that I've met so many people who are compassionate and who are caring. I know because I've, I've had that expressed to me, and I know because I've seen it expressed to each other. And that's what we need to encourage, an unconditional love and respect for each other. It isn't just expressed to friends and people we like neither. It's also expressed to people who are a bit different to us, who may think differently to us, who have different ideas and different ideals. That's how Christians should espresso themselves. Like espresso coffee, you know, it's a powerful punch when Christians act like that. It's different to the world. When God expresses his love to us, we need to express that love to others. And the final point this morning is that criticism is blinding. Remember when we use the plank across our eyes, we can't see beyond it. When we criticize, we're blinded to something else. But there's something else that we need to see as well. And for that, I've got another plank of wood, a bigger piece of wood this time. Is that when that happens, we see the mercy of God. And this time I've got a vertical piece of wood. Because it's interesting into that, we're talking about relationships with each other. But actually, this is also about our relationship with God. And what we need to understand is this beam of wood which actually points to God. Because God in his mercy, God with his grace, gives to us all that we need to be caffeinated Christians. To receive from him his grace, as the songs is reminded, his amazing grace, his unconditional grace, his grace which despite all that I am, God still loves me. Although God is the God of judgment, God is also the God God of forgiveness and love. And because of that, we can receive the mercy of God. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 7, we read these words, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the merciful, those who show mercy to others, because they will receive the mercy 
of God. You can see that crossbeam happening. Once the plank is taken out of my eye and I'm no longer blinded, I can see the mercies of God. And the interesting thing is we need to ensure that we receive the mercies of God and that we don't miss out on that because we do not express mercy to others. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13, we read uh, these words. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened, or if you like, bitter, by sin's deceitfulness. You see, once the plank is removed, once the beam is removed, suddenly we can also see God's mercy as well. It's the horizontal part of our lives that sometimes we can have a problem with. But once we remove that, we see the vertical expression of God's love. And of course, this two-way relationship, our relationship with God, our relationship with each other, came together, of course, when God so loved us, he gave Jesus. And that vertical expression, that horizontal expression, became a reality when God sent Jesus to die for us. And the cross is the ultimate expression, the ultimate expresso, if you like, of God's love. God so loved us through giving Jesus his son that we are able to express that love to others. We deserve to be judged. We deserve to be criticized by God. But his grace still amazes me that he's able to give us his mercy and his love and his forgiveness. And that means I am able to express that to others as well. If I have this beam in my eye, I can't do it. But once I remove that beam, it connects with the cross, connects with the mercy of God, and I'm being the Christian. You know, Christian is not a nickname. It started out to be that, but it's not a nickname. Being a Christian is being someone for Christ, being an expression of God through Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I pray that this morning we will receive this word from God as hard as it is, and we'll endeavor ourselves to be men and women and boys and girls who are a a perfect expression of God's love despite our weakness. And to put this teaching of Jesus into action, it says in James chapter 4 and verse 17, remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. You know, um, and there are some young people here this morning, I've discovered being a divisional youth secretary all those years ago in two divisions, working with young people, that young people don't leave the church because the programs are out of date or even because they don't like the music. Unfortunately, too many young people leave the church because they see older people listening to this word, hearing this word, but not doing it. We send them into Sunday school to hear the Sermon on the Mount. Don't judge each other. Stop judging each other. And in the car on the way home from the meeting, they see something very different. My friends, the challenge for you and me this morning is let's put it into practice. Or we could put it this way. Someone else who's better at words than me put it like this. Knowing what to do must lead to doing what you know. Knowing what to do must lead to doing what you know. So as you look at your life, as I look at my life, and as I pray that I might be a caffeinated, strong expression of God's love, 
I pray that God will give me all the mercy and all the grace and all the forgiveness I need so that I can be a strong, stout expression of God's love. May God give us his grace to be and to do just that.